Today's reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 11 through 15. I'll be reading in Danish. The English translation will be on the screen as I read. Skriften siger også, de der tror på ham vil ikke blive skuffet. I det stykke er der ingen forskel på jøder og andre folkeslag, for de har alle den samme Jesus som deres herre, og han giver sin rige velsignelse til alle, der kommer og bruder hjælp om ham. Der står nemlig skrevet, en hver, der råber til Herren om hjælp, vil blive reddet. Men hvordan kan nogen søge hjælp hos Jesus, hvis de ikke tror på ham? Og hvordan kan nogen komme til tro på ham, hvis de ikke har hørt om ham? Og hvordan kan de høre om ham, hvis ingen fortæller dem om ham? Og hvordan kan nogen fortælle om ham, hvis de ikke sendes ud med budskabet? Som skriften siger, hvor er det dejligt, når nogen kommer med et glædeligt budskab. This is God's word. Please be seated. Good morning, friends. How are we doing? It's good to be with you guys. See your beautiful faces. Um, privilege and honor to be here this morning with you. Uh, as you heard the introduction there, my name is Friday Omar. I'm here with my family and uh, brought a couple of friends as well. When you're from the cities, you know everyone hears about it and like, hey, we'll come check out where you're at uh, and hear you share. So it's exciting to have a fan club in light of uh, March Madness here. So thank you. Um, but we are so thankful and grateful to be here. And this morning you read the scripture there. I just want to share a message out of Romans. Um, just reminding us all of the, the truth and the reality of who we are as believers called to be sent once. Uh, especially, first and foremost, want you to consider your own story as you think of your story and how you came to first call on the name of the Lord, right? When the gospel, you heard it with clarity and you responded and said yes to Jesus. Just want you to go back to that moment. When was that? How old were you? Who was it? Was there someone that led you to Christ in that moment? Uh, was it a, a friend, a, a teacher, a parent? Was it at camp or at a church like this where you heard the sermon preached? Because I think so oftentimes we neglect our own story of coming to Christ and we don't reflect on it enough. But I believe this is foundation for the Lord sending us to be sent. If we're going to respond rightly, we've got to consider our own story. Man, God, you've impacted and transformed my life by the truth of your gospel. And this compels me to go be a sent one and share the gospel with others as well. And so as you think on that, the, the passage here, as we heard it read, it's a pretty straightforward one. And so I'm not going to spend too much time on the scripture itself. But this morning, it's going to be a little bit different probably than what you've been used to. I'm going to be sharing a story and the legacy Um, of the gospel and how it's impacted my own life and family and people group with you and hopefully as an encouragement, as a challenge to you of your work and your call to be those who are bringing the gospel here in St. Paul and the surrounding area. And so as we look at that, Paul talks about salvation. It's a gift that's available and it's made available to all. The Jew needs salvation as well as the Gentile. It's a gift of God. And so for both the Jew, they must call on the name of the Lord Jesus. No other name, right? We know the other scriptures. There's no other name by which men can be saved but by the name of Jesus. They have to call on his name in order to receive salvation. 
Uh, there's no one who already has it by their ethnic or national identity. Um, as Paul is wrestling through these chapters of who is ethnic Israel, or who is the nation of Israel, and how is it that they can truly come to trust in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, but then, as you know, Paul's heart in being called to the Gentiles is like, salvation is something that must come to all people, and this is what it looks like. Essentially, what Paul is breaking down here is the Great Commission in, in his own words. And so he works backwards this trajectory, and he says, okay, how can they call on their name? How can they be saved unless they call on his name, meaning the name of Jesus? And from there, he takes it even back further. Let's keep going. Let's, let's take this pick a, a little bit further back. How can they actually call if they don't believe on him who they call, right? Because they don't actually know him. They have to believe and trust that he's the one who's come, that he's the one who has died for their salvation. Have to believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus and trust in who he is. They have to recognize that and know their own need for salvation, just like you and I had to come to that place of recognizing our own need for salvation in order to call on Jesus' name to be our Lord and Savior. But even before that belief takes place in the heart, Paul talks about they must hear the gospel. It must be heard, right? And so this hearing, oftentimes when Scripture talks about hearing the gospel or listening, it's not just letting sound waves hit your ears, right? How many of us do that? Maybe in your relationships or with your kids, right? But you didn't actually hear. Because <laughs> if you actually truly heard or truly listened, it produces action in us. It produces a response in us. So if it's true hearing, in many ways as we consider the state of the United States or Western church, it's like, well, if, if we were actually hearing, we, we can claim to be a Christian nation, um, but if people were actually heard the gospel, we can actually claim that. But I don't know if there's a true healing, hearing that created an actual response uh, to Jesus. But of course, in order to hear, someone's got to go, someone's got to preach, someone has to share the message. The word that Paul uses here for preaching is not what I'm doing right now, right? Because otherwise that really narrows down and, and, and has this group of elite Christians per se who should be the ones sharing the gospel. But what Paul is talking about in preaching is being a herald, making an announcement. Uh, you can say it testifying to who Jesus is, first and foremost in your own life and in the life of those around you. And so someone's got to share the message. Will that be you? Someone's got to share the message. And then ultimately, in order to share the message, someone has to be sent. And as Paul is talking about someone being sent here, or the sent ones, it's not just the authoritative teachers like himself, of him being the apostle, but he's talking about the church as a whole, and then he's talking about all of us as a Christian, every single one in here who calls Jesus Lord, is a sent one. Let me remind you of that. Do you believe that of yourself? Because that's the truth of who you are. If Jesus is actually your Lord and Savior. And I love the end of this passage as Paul quotes Isaiah. He says, these sent ones, if you are sent ones, you are those with beautiful feet who bring good news. Right? News like no other. You are those with beautiful feet who bring good news of the Lord to those who otherwise would not receive it, to those otherwise who would not have it. And so do you consider yourself those with beautiful feet? News like we've never heard before, right? God has come in person, in the person of Jesus Christ. He pays our debt that you and I can never pay. 
He makes you a son and daughter, brings you into his kingdom, into his family. And when you receive this good news in your life, the only response is to what? Share it. Make it available to others. And so as you saw in the passage there, uh, as Paul lays out and relayed that out a little bit, I'm now I'm going to shift and share some stories of those with beautiful feet who bring good news. And so the first person I'm going to start with, we can bring that picture up, uh, his name is Harvey Hoekstra and his wife, Lavina. So the Hoekstras, they, they knew they, want, they were going to be missionaries. Harvey is from Minnesota, up by the St. Cloud area. They knew they wanted to be missionaries, but they didn't think they would be going to the continent of Africa, right? Because Africa was a dark continent then. It was untouchable, right? Especially if you read the stories of David Livingston, you're like, I'm not going there. This, is, this has really got to be Jesus if I'm going to go to this place. And so they thought, okay, well, maybe Japan. But then in 1946, uh, a speaker comes and shares at their seminary a man by the name of Don McClure. And he's sharing about the work that he's doing in Africa among a small tribe people group called the Anyuak people. And as he is sharing about this people group, Harvey Hoekstra, his heart is stirred by the spirit that this is something that I need to be involved with and be part of. He was so moved, I mean, the only thing he could do was run out of that sanctuary, get in his 1932 Ford pickup, and drive as fast as he can home to tell his wife, honey, we're going to Africa. How about that for a statement being dropped on you, huh? Like, the Spirit's really got to be leading in that and doing the work ahead of time. Otherwise, that'll bring some, some, some tension for some time there. But the Spirit was working, and, and, and Lavina uh, and, and Harvey were, were sent to Africa several years later. And so they spent two weeks on the ocean, ended up on the shores of Sudan, uh, eventually take another two weeks to get to Akobo in, in, in South Sudan, where they would begin the work the Lord had called them to. Um, it would take them almost a month just to get to where they're supposed to. This is just in travels. And so then as they're there, as they begin to work and engage with the Anyak people, the Hoekstras experience many different things here. They experience just the challenges in the terrain, challenges in relationship, challenges in spiritual environment as they're trying to do the work. And as we all know, and many of you know, many of you probably are enduring and have been praying for a long time for a family member or someone, it would take a while before they saw the first believers come to trust in Jesus among this people group. Probably a year or two. But eventually, right, they would see people come to trust in the name of Jesus as they begin to share the gospel. Uh, the f f first couple people that, they would, that would come to respond to the gospel would be a king and then a witch doctor. And eventually, many more would come and would be baptized in the name of Jesus uh, to become believers. Baptism always got interesting, though, you know, because they, they, they baptized people in the local river, and once in a while, the crocodiles came out. And so you really had to be sure that you wanted to put your faith in Jesus and be <laughs> baptized, okay? Talking about praying some prayers of, of, of Daniel, Lord, shut the mouths of these crocodiles, right? I actually want to, want to walk with you for more than a day. But other, and, and if you didn't, you know, you're secure for eternity. But then again, that's not, that's not how you want to go out. Um, and so, yeah, they got to just experience fruitfulness of people coming to believe and trust in Jesus and walk with him. And, and Harvey's passion and heart. Harvey went with a team, and he was the linguist. He was doing the work of translating the gospel 
in, or, or I should say the scriptures into the Anyuak language because they did not have the scriptures in their language. They were an oral culture. Um, eventually, Harvey would finish the New Testament in 1962 and would receive the first five copies of the scriptures that he worked to translate so the, the Bible would be made available to this people group just as the government of Sudan, as they're on the brink of war, expels all the missionaries. So all the missionaries were sent out. Harvey receives the first five copies, and he was able to grant it to the elders of the church. And they had these words to say as Harvey grants them. We do not know, we do not know why our government has asked you to leave our country, but we want you to know you've given us this precious gift from God, his own word in our language. That's a big deal. We take that for granted sometimes, right? Because we got access to the scriptures in our, in our, in our, on our phone. We probably got five physical Bibles in our home or more, right? We're talking about a group of people, and there are still many. Eventually, uh, Harvey and Levina would serve for almost 30 years in, in Africa, working with the people. And Harvey would not finish the work of the Bible, but actually would be finished both New and Old Testament in 2012. That's not long ago. I know, I know it seems like forever for some of y'all, but that's, 2012 is not long ago. That's when the scriptures were completely finished in the Anuak language. And what I want to do this morning, I have that very Bible here, and I want to read the same scripture. I was so blessed to hear you guys read it in Danish and uh, have it available in English, but I want to read it to you in the Anuak language as the people received it and have the Bible, the scriptures available in their language. So Romans 10, uh, 11 through 15, and it's up there. You kind of can make with it what you want. It probably looks like gibberish, uh, but this is what it sounds like in the Anuak language. Keper wel jo kuko, nenga tu jeke ene nenga nenga go gebelai. Keper bunga jen itaki jojut kejo mopata jojut. Keper uno go na chala no be wagi bet. Ne jab kuara moe ne tod umege jo jo charnyenge bet. Keper ji bed mo charnyenge wo gedepiamo. Baji nyenge adege chwala nedi. Ngan mukar gigo nengat gigo, na degigo gigo nengat gigo nidi, ngan mulume kerja wunyo barabar. Alume a degigo wunyo nidi, ne bungat mukapko. Aji a degipo nidi, ne nak mge kerjango. Kawan mana gori, na ateng onyom ateng onyango ne bear and jau okap lumanya ne met. Amen. So this scripture was not available to people who spoke this language until 2012. And just incredible faithfulness and legacy. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, and, and a huge part of the work then that continued in that, as, as well as translating the gospel, was raising up the locals to be those who would bring the gospel to their own people. And so one of the first believers that came to trust in Jesus was a man by the name of Akwai Uchodi. He was a very young man then, uh, not so young now, uh, but just so faithful in the Lord. All right, my apologies. But anyway, so they raised Akwai up. He came to trust in Jesus and know the gospel, and he became the first evangelist among the Anuak people, one who would be sent to work among his own people. And for 60 years, this man, the Lord, was faithful to bear fruit through Akwai as many of the Anuak, and the Anuak would now be considered an unreached people group, those who were considered, or a reached people group who were considered unreached 
in the 1950s, not so long ago. And decades later, another young man who was raised up within the church by the name of Amat would find himself in a village in South Sudan. And he would also be sharing the gospel with a bunch of young boys um, through song, through the reading of the scriptures. And in that group of young boys was a 10-year-old by the name of Jay Umat. Jay is my father. He came to trust in Jesus that day. He came to call on the name of Jesus. He came to believe in who Jesus is and Jesus dying for his sin as he heard the gospel being preached because someone was sent. First generation Christian, and now he's a leader within the South Sudanese community preaching the gospel. And then from that moment of my father coming to know Christ, here I am, having trusted in the Lord with my wife and I and the Lord putting and stirring up our hearts and giving us passion to go to uh, Kenya in Eastern Africa in Marsabet, uh, as David talked about earlier, to serve among uh, the unreached people groups of northern Kenya, many who include the Somali and the Barana, uh, who are from Ethiopia. And so we're so excited to be able to go and do this work and be part of uh, what's going to be happening there as we provide theological education through a Bible school called Northern Bible Center uh, going this July. And so how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We're so thankful that we get to go. And this confidence that we have, it's not in ourselves, but in who God is and what he's done in us, just as it is for you. Would you go to the next piece there as we address? And so there's some beautiful family there um, in the picture. And I've shared a story with you. You can skip to the next one as well. Awesome. Well, Marcebet, told you about that. There's a picture of it there just to visually see uh, where, where it's at. But we can skip to the next one too. And the next, sorry, <laughs> kind of went through that fast. But let's bring it in here. So, because you've, you've uh, right now I've talked, I've shared many stories of people that seem far off, right? Um, and, and you're meeting me for the first time today. But what about you? Let's bring this back to us here. As we consider Paul's challenge and Paul's exhortation to us, you are sent ones. You are those with beautiful feet. Do you realize that there are those, as we talk about unreached people groups, we cannot be complacent and consider that in here, in St. Paul, there are those who have yet to call on the name of Jesus, who have not believed in him because they have not heard, because someone has not preached, because no one's been sent. Is that person you? There are those who have not trusted in Jesus in your family, across the lawn from you, across the street from you, across the pew from you, in your office. You are to be sent once. Have you surrendered that to the Lord to be sent once? Maybe you're supposed to go to Africa. Anybody want to go to Africa? I'll sneak you in my luggage. I'm kidding. Um, but really consider that. Surrender that. Pray that. Consider, Lord, where would, would you have me go? And again, being sent one does not mean that you have to go globally, but at the same time, consider what may the Lord be doing locally now with you, in you, with people around you. And so as we come to a close here, I'm going to invite you guys to stand and we're going to pray. Would you stand with me, please? So as we take this time to pray, 
I want you to pray specifically a couple things. Maybe you're in here and you haven't actually trusted in Jesus yourself. Make that the first thing. This call, this challenge to go, to be a sent one, won't matter unless you've trusted in Jesus. It starts with a relationship with him. It's his mission, and we get to be a part of it, right? So pray that, consider that, or talk to one of the pastors after the service if you are part of this church. If you want to know what it means to follow Jesus and trust in him with your life, that he may use you in your community here. Secondly, for you who are believers who've trusted in Jesus in here, consider. Ask the Lord specifically for someone. Is there someone that he would bring to mind? A name, a picture, someone who needs to hear the gospel, that you may be uh, the one who would share it with them, both in word and in life? Who is that? Or is there a particular group that the Lord may be calling you to here in your community to invest in with your life? invest in with the message of the gospel and so consider praying along these lines specifically and i want to pray over you along that as well father we thank you for your goodness god we thank you that you call us to be sent ones thank you for the challenge of paul whom you sent both to the gentiles and you sent many others to the jewish people god and and the gentiles being being us now in present day um and so lord thank you for the work of the gospel that has transformed our own heart I pray that that would produce a response of being sent once, of being beautiful feet. And so for those in, in, this, in this building right now and for those joining us online, um, Lord, would you move in hearts by your Holy Spirit. First and foremost, if there's anybody here, God, who does not know you, would you bring them to that place of being able to believe and trust and call on your name as Lord and Savior? Even right now, God. Move in them bring conviction of their need for you and conviction of their need for salvation. And then, Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters, those who know you, who have trust in you, asking for a renewed sense of mission in following you, a renewed sense of sharing and living out the gospel. God, we ask for endurance by the power of your Holy Spirit for those who've been, who've had family members, co-workers, whoever, neighbors, who they've been praying for for a long time, who they've been sharing with for a long time, and there hasn't been any fruitfulness or at least evidence that can be seen of them coming to trust in you. I pray for endurance in that, that they would continue in trusting in the one who has brought salvation to them and the one who ultimately can bring salvation to their neighbor, co-worker, family member. Lord, we praise you for you are good and faithful. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for hope in the midst of a world that seems altogether hopeless. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.